0: Next Level. This is JBL. I am joined by my best friend, Sarah Longwell, publisher of The Bulwark, and Tim Miller, writer-at-large of The Bulwark, who I consider a a very close acquaintance. Guys, how
1: are you? When you were telling me about my codpiece earlier, you didn't say that I was just a very close acquaintance.
0: You know, what happens in the
1: green room stays in the green room.
2: Yeah, boy, you, you brought that up fast.
0: We, uh, we were having a good word pre-show discussion about GI Joe figures, and uh, what, it wasn't that what, excellent. Things pretty good. Uh, we 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 concluded that by year five, the GI Joe uh, toy line had been taken over by Joel Schumacher and had become super duper gay with the uh, introduction of Tomax and Zaymont and Doctor Mindbender.
1: Okay, that's enough. And of that the Cobra Commander was overseeing the quote gayest terrorist org of all time," according yes to a friend of the pod. So
0: listen, we we start out talking about GI Joe because the the thing we're really going to start out by talking about is so so damn depressing. Uh, right before we sat down to tape, new piece came out in the Atlantic by uh, uh, Barton Gelman. Here's the key. Here's the the big, important piece. Uh, I'm going to just read to you guys from the story. The Trump campaign legal advisor I spoke with told me that the push to appoint electors would be framed in terms of protecting the people's will. Once committed to the position that the overtime count has been rigged, the advisor said, state lawmakers will want to judge for themselves what the voters intended. Quote, The state legislatures will say, all right, we've been given this constitutional power. We don't think the results of our own state are accurate. So here's our slate of electors that we think properly reflects the results of our state. End quote, the advisor said Democrats, he added, have exposed themselves to this stratagem by creating the conditions for a lengthy overtime. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're headed towards (sighs) full banana republic.
2: So can I just tell you? Um, so I participated in a scenario planning exercise uh, in which we gamed a number of these scenarios out. Um, in fact, this very scenario, and uh, it was conducted by Rosa Brooks and a few others. And they released the results. Um, and it, the and, and they and they you know they like published uh, that that this could be the case. And what was people, your role like, in by, this scenario? I was on Team Trump. And I will I'll get to that. I will I will dig deep on some of the scenario planning with you if you want. But I just want to make this first observation uh, because this is my immediate reaction upon seeing this, that the Trump lawyers are actually going on the record with people saying that they are planning to do this, which is that when the results were published, uh, they were met with. Uh, responses from people like byron york and others on the right especially the anti-anti-trumpers who said people at national
0: review do you remember this oh you guys are just assuming that they are going to behave like a bunch of james bond villains how pathetic how awful of you to begin to question the legitimacy of our great elections. do you remember that fucking bullshit sarah
2: I, I in fact do. This is my point: is that like they they made it, and this is what everybody does, right? They gaslight you into this idea, and and the thing is, is that I used to be there. I used to kind of be like, all right, you guys, you this left stop on the left, calling him an authoritarian. You know, you know, you guys are over catastrophizing everything. You know, it's too much bedwetting. But I'm there, like, and the reason that I'm there is because I would put nothing past this president. And now we find ourselves in a place where they're actually saying that they're going to do the very things that in the scenario we basically said were their best plays. And I'll just say just a real quick, our strategy as Team Trump uh, was, hey, so Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, three of the key swing states, all have Democratic governors, but they also have Republican-led legislatures. And so what if the Republican-led legislatures in the instance where there's going to be, let's say, because of the craziness of this election, right? There's so many mail-in ballots. People are trying to process a volume of mail-in ballots they've never processed before. Tipping state states like Pennsylvania do not count early, so they are trying to count... You know, the night of or or and, and even in the weeks after. So if the election is close, there's this thing, this phenomenon called the blue shift where all the ballots are going to get counted over time. And So this happened in Arizona in 2018, where uh, it looked like McSally had won on election night. Uh, Trump declares victory, but as time goes on, more uh, mail-in ballots get counted, shifts blue, cinema wins. Okay, so that's going to happen, or the anticipation is that that could happen on a national scale, which is why you see Trump coming out and saying we have to know on election night, because he knows that his people are much more likely to vote in person, Biden's people are much more likely to vote by mail. And so the election night results may potentially favor him. But now what this article is saying is that they are actually preparing to have lawyers on the ground in these states and to try to make uh, the Republican legislators say, mm, we're not going to certify these because we saw voter fraud. We said we have these three instances across the country that we found a voter fraud because the president kept telling people to vote twice. Um, and they're going to blow those up and they're going to say, well, we can't trust these results and we're going to contest them or we're not going to certify them.
1: Yeah, Tim, I mean, talk us down. i yeah, I think that, I, th- I think that the I think that you and the Libs are over catastrophizing still a bit. Um and I get yelled at by Bill Maher this weekend for saying this. Um and you know, he said that I was a frog boiling in a pot and I just can't I just can't see it. I I think I see Trump pretty clearly. I, I mean, you know, he's been around for a while now. Um I, I think that there are real I think that this Atlantic article, like And, and, and some of the things you just said, Sarah, bring up real concerns to be worried about the Pennsylvania story about, are we going to count the ballot that's in one envelope, but not two? you know, I I was talking to a, a lawyer, um, a couple months ago um, uh, uh, that was on the Ben Wittes uh, uh, live stream with me, who was like, you know, in the recent New York primary, you know, they didn't count 20,000 uh, making that number up but some significant number of ballots because the signature was on the wrong line or whatever. So I, I, I do think that in a close election. Um, obviously the Trump campaign and his legal team will act as unscrupulously as possible. Um, Obviously in places like Florida, Ron DeSantis um, and places like Georgia, where they tried to shut down the Athens voting location. I mean, I I don't want to, 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 to be the one that's saying that there are not, there's not any chicanery going on. Um, The idea that Joe Biden is going to win the election and, um, Trump is going to convince a number of faithless electors to throw out a hundred thousand, you know, to, to ignore votes because they think it was rigged because of Antifa and then Trump is going to refuse to leave the white house and get, you know, barred to bar the doors. And, you know, general Cal, you know, Kellogg is going to stand out there with his rifle. I, 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 I like, that just doesn't seem real to me. Like I, I think that what you are going to get is a lot of Trump whining on Twitter. And I think that what you're going to get is a lot of them trying to uh, undermine the faith of the election, which, which by the way, is, is a big deal in itself, just not the same level of big deal as refusing to leave the White House, um, uh, where, his, where his base thinks it's rigged. And I think that in places like Pennsylvania, if you have a close vote, the stuff that was reported in this Atlantic story does matter, and that they, it's clear that the Trump campaign is preparing to... Um, to, you know, put their thumb on the scale in ways that are, uh, again, you know, uh, going around the law, uh, in order to try to, um, uh, uh, is rig the right word. I don't know if rig is the right word, but you know, ch- um, uh, affect the vote count, uh, like it would, I guess, which is rigging. I'm, t- I'm, I'm playing, i uh, semantic games in my head, like I'm rich Lowry right now. But, um, anyway, I, that, that's, that's where I think it is. And that's by the way, like a five alarm fire, a serious threat, it's just, you know, I scroll through this Atlantic article and you have the Democrats aren't taking seriously the fact that Trump will refuse to leave and like that that stuff I think is a little catastrophizing.
0: Well it isn't yeah, but but the problem isn't the problem isn't that he will concede that he lost and then refuse to leave. Right. The problem is that he will simply assert that he won. Right? And then we'll have, you know, it's 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 like the Seinfeld episode. That will where... only work though
1: if he actually won.
0: We're well. I don't know that that's true. I mean, he he will have lost by many millions of votes, just the way he did in 2016, and there will be. All sorts of yes, but actually this was fine over here. And actually over there, those ballots have to get tossed out. And over here in this other state, uh, we don't think that the early vote should be counted because those were all fraudulent ballots. And the state legislature over there has real concerns. And so they're setting their own slate of electors. And so you could wind up with two, two sets, of, two slates of electors showing up in Washington. And then, like, who decides who to see? The, how does this? How is this the all? The new Supreme to work? Court,
1: JVL. <laughs> yeah,
0: the new Supreme Court, exactly. <laughs> really? I mean, I, I just, this is a failed state.
2: It is well, It hasn't failed. It hasn't failed yet. It hasn't failed yet. And and just to be clear, to to go back to what Tim was saying, you know, I'm not saying I, I actually have never bought the idea that he won't leave if he loses. Um, what i what i think that the article is pointing out and and again this the one of the uh, stupid things about the criticism of the scenario planning was the scenario planning was meant to really push the boundaries it was to explore all options of what could be done you and so it wasn't like
1: scenario planning i i i
2: iron york and some of the other i mean oh. it was like a it was mm-hmm. a story for a minute um that that was that was not this was not a prediction this wasn't like here's definitely what it'll do it's like what are all the ways we could try to take all the levers of the federal government which Trump does have at his disposal all the disinformation opportunities and like what could what could materialize and so you know you can we identified things like the fact that um, even though people think that, um, you know, the governors certify these elections, that actually these state legislatures do constitutionally, which there's Democratic scholars that push back and say, absolutely, that's not true. You know, the governors do it, but it's in the Constitution that the legislature actually has that power. So the the, the point is, is like there's so much gray space. And so if it's very close and and Tim, this is to me the real point about what they're saying in the Atlantic article is if. Pennsylvania. Let's say that let's say Pennsylvania is the state that is the the Florida of 2000. So the 2020 state Mm -hmm. where everybody's waiting for ballots to come in is Pennsylvania. It's governed by a Republican state legislature. And there's just this fight going on. And so it's not that Trump like refuses to leave. He's definitely lost. And like, you know, you're dragging him, you know, he's leaving claw marks in the resolute desk. It's that he's saying, well, you can't trust these, you know, uh, these ballots. And frankly, this is the one thing that I think people sort of fail to to, to think, to understand about the environment, if it is that close, then Joe Biden has wildly underperformed the polls. And so there's like deep suspicion. I mean, ish, there's of-
1: a very disturbing Arizona poll this morning
2: and Florida. Yes, yeah. there was in the Washington post ABC poll. Um, but, but I, I think that if he, so people are already, they're just like, it's it's one of those things where like, this is the moment people are in the streets and what it, what the article shows is that they are thinking about how they can put their thumbs on the scale in real and meaningful ways?
1: So- yeah, the Pennsylvania n- nightmare, and so here's where I'll catastrophize: is like these the the ballots are coming in, and you know you've got the Trump D list goon, you know, lawyers from The Simpsons, um, you know, sitting there looking at all, you know, uh, um, and they're ensuring that they're analyzing all these ballots and maybe you know arguing to throw them out because of the. You know, envelope situation, um, and 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 that's where you get a state legislature that's you know saying that we're going to have a separate slate of electors. I mean, that is extremely possible and disturbing. I, I'm just, I'm like trying to trying to like put my fingers in my ears and go la 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 and pretend that's not going to happen because Joe Biden's going to win a handle but, win but, handily, but but I mean, that's a very realistic outcome.
0: Here's the thing: even if the best case scenario happens which is that joe biden wins a large victory maybe his victories of the order of magnitude of eight million voters uh donald trump doesn't try to have separate slates of electors anything like that he just does tweets and he just does tweets saying that uh this thing didn't really happen it's all big fraud uh, I actually won, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even if that is all that happens, which I think the three of us would now agree is the best case scenario. Yeah, and that we certainty. have the the sitting president of the United States dis- claiming that it, you know, this thing that just happened didn't happen. That is so. In 1980, Ronald Reagan beats Jimmy Carter by eight and a half million votes, and there were a lot of people who were upset by that. People were really scared about Ronald Reagan. So far as I can tell, there were precisely zero people in America who thought that Reagan didn't win by eight and a half million votes, right? They were as upset as the Democrats were about losing. No were a said, couple of
1: radicalized peanut farmers. I don't think there, were, the there were anybody running letter. around saying,
0: actually, uh, the truth is d- half of those votes from Reagan were, were bad ballots and Carter... D- d- the very fact that we're at a place where some percentage of Americans, and maybe that percentage of the total population will be 10%, maybe it'll be 25%, maybe it'll be 30%, but some very significant minority of Americans are going to believe that Trump actually won is again, it just means that we're a failed state. Like this, you cannot have a serious country in which A fifth of the people construct a total alternate reality for themselves. You just can't
1: it it doesn't work. I'm just I was just letting that sink in because I I, I don't have any I don't have any pushback, contrarian pushback on that.
2: Yeah. I have a question. What topic did we dump to talk about this?
0: We didn't dump, but we were gonna push to Peter Ginsburg. We We merged. merged. So let's just pass that off, and I'll pass. Great it Great transition, we'll, Sarah. Let's talk about Ruth Bader
2: Ginsburg. Yeah. Was that seamless? Did you did you like how nice that was?
1: Yeah. Wow. You're a pro. Um, you yeah. should go into the podcasting business. Um, <laughs> so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, and and the political fallout we had yesterday. Um, Mitt Romney uh, uh, come out and say that he was going to uh, uh, advise and consent on the nominee, depending on their qualifications, not based on. Um, considerations of fairness um, which would give um, Mitch McConnell 51 votes essentially Um, and I I think that we can all agree uh, basically a glide path to confirming a nominee barring something crazy happening. The the political question um, that I have since we've discussed that on the Myriad Bulwark podcast the last few days is it's kind of weird that that's the case right given that the Republicans have several senators who are in in blue and purple states that are basically signing their death warrants with us, particularly two that come to mind who are up this time, Cory Gardner and Martha McSally, who have both agreed to cite on uns- unseen sign up for any you know judge that the that Trump nominates uh, and any of their craziest far right socially conservative or uh, culturally conservative views in states that are, you know, in Arizona, uh, coin flip purple, and Colorado, like trending blue, and and, and I think that it's um, uh, uh, an interesting look at uh, kind of where we stand as as the parties. A lot of times we think that these that these actors are acting rationally, and maybe they are acting rationally, but the but the rationalization has nothing to do with their electoral strength. So, JVL, you wrote about this. What what's your what's your take?
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a sign of weakness, and what is happening is that if Gardner and McSally thought that there was a chance of winning, even a very small chance, you know, a 1 in 10 chance of them holding onto their seats, they might not have agreed to do this. It's possible that they would have stat, sat and done some back of the envelope math and tried to figure out, uh, okay, do I hurt myself more by going along with it? Or do I hurt myself more by trying to stop this train from leaving the station? But their fates are sealed already. I mean, there's, there's just no, it is a one in a hundred chance that either of them holds onto their seats. And so what they're thinking about is their futures and they understand that the future of Republican politics is Trumpism. And the only thing that matters in that context is whether or not you were with Trump, whatever the question is. Hell, honestly, if, let, I mean, in, in an alternate universe in which Trump th- pushed out a totally pro choice, pro row justice, the caucus would have to vote for it. Because Trump would say, this is like, this is my bad. and They would just all then rationalize
1: that, right? I mean, this is, there is no principle here. Okay, it's but look at McSally really for a, a second. Let's take them one at a time. McSally has already lost an election. She gets appointed. She's appointed to John McCain's seat, whose, um, uh, whose spouse uh, uh, had just endorsed Joe Biden this morning and was obviously attacked by the president of the United States. Um, so she's sitting in John McCain's seat in an election that, that, You know, from the fundamentals should be a toss up really um, against against Mark Kelly. I mean, Arizona is certainly trending blue, but it's not, you know, like she's running in California or Illinois or something where she has no chance to win. Or like, you know, one of those uh, like last blue dog senators like Mark Pryor, who's running in Arkansas long after all the blue dogs were gone. Like this is Arizona. It's a it's a winnable state. If she loses twice, her career is over. I mean, maybe oh, Gardner. Can, maybe, career is yeah, over. Maybe Gardner can come career, back. Not her career making money from Conservatism, Inc. I... What is she? she, Does anybody like her? She's not particularly likable. It's not like she's going to be on the Turning Point USA circuit, and the children of the corn are going to be like Martha, Martha. I mean, she—I guess she could be a lobbyist or something. But she'll consult and lobby. Right, but but, I mean, wouldn't she? Couldn't she be a lobbyist? Either way, I mean, yeah. Look, you cannot be still win this election. You cannot be a lobbyist. Pretending like she might consider this.
0: It's just like Danny Pletka. Once you understand that you are on your way out. and you're heading into the pig trough stage of your career inside Conservatism, Inc., then you just got to make sure that everybody on the party knows that you are bought and paid for by the party so that you're never going to embarrass them. You're never going to go apostate. You're just part of the team. And so this is the team player moment for all of these people where they're just going to eat this shit
1: sandwich. I just, I find that to be fascinating, though. Like, this this is not where things you know were even relatively recently i mean you see collins who is sort of like a a, you know from another era kind of still like there really aren't any other collinses out there i mean murkowski's in a very weird situation since she ended up winning as an independent because of um that whole was that was that joker's name joe whatever um beat her in the primary tea party guy Tea Party guy, I can picture him in my I can picture him in my head, um, but I can't come up with his last name. Um, but anyway, McC- Collins is like a senator from another era. But but what she's doing is actually the rational thing, right? She knows that she's in a blue or purple state. She thinks she could still win. She's at least flirting with the idea that she'll not vote for this candidate based on maybe their position on row, maybe based on their qualifications, maybe based on the sense of fairness. She's at least trying to demonstrate an independent spirit that's reflective of her state like yeah, it is, but it is absolutely think... bizarre that mcsally and gardner aren't even aren't even well, trying to pretend like, they're not even pretending they could just they could vote with yes at the end but you'd think they'd at least try to send a signal to the suburban voters out there that they're not like you know, just a total, a total Trump flunky, and the, like they're indistinguishable from like having Corey Lewandowski in the seat.
0: Yeah, but the difference here is that Collins has probably a one in three chance to win, and the other two are at like one in 100.
1: Really a hundred. Is McSally really at one
0: in hundred in Arizona? Not if, you,
2: not if you look at that new ABC uh, Washington Post poll that came out this morning. That has her neck and neck.
0: If McSally is time. neck and neck, then that poll has to be an outlier.
2: Yeah, the poll the poll's hour. well the poll has the poll has um Donald it's actually the best poll from an A plus you know rated pollster uh that Trump has gotten the entire I mean in the last six months uh because it's got him up by a couple of points in Florida it's got him up by a couple of points in Arizona um and uh it has a sinking
1: feeling in your stomach right now Sarah mine's right above my belly button.
2: Yeah, so when I saw it this morning, I like dug I dug into it really fast uh to be like what what's going on here? Why is this different? Um and it's a little oversampled on Republicans, uh but it's still a good poll and uh you know, it's it's and it's got the race super tight between McSally and Kelly, which is which is crazy compared to everything else we've seen, but I mean, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you about polls, right? Like some of them sometimes they're outliers and it's better to look at averages, all that stuff uh is probably true. But I look, and and this was also taken, I think, just amid the court thing. Um, I don't think that it's the court necessarily changing things. I think look, this was just never gonna be as easy as everybody wanted it to be. I do think that things, you know, they're tightening up in Pennsylvania for real. Um, we do have this issue with the mail-in ballots where, you know, the naked ballot situation where a lot of things could be thrown out and that that could, and they could be thrown out like the margin, the margin of victory. I mean, these are places where Donald Trump surprised everybody. I mean, he did win Arizona last time. Um, and so like, it's not crazy that things would be tighter. I mean, it's crazy in the sense to us because 200,000 Americans are dead. The economy is not doing well. um, And Donald Trump is a like crazy buffoon who has sown chaos for the last few years. um, And it seems implausible that America would sign up for another four years of that. But this is the world we live in. So I I just... I guess I'm not saying that the poll is accurate, but I don't think that you should just like throw it out as an outlier because it's not a bad poll. No, fair enough. And so
1: that takes us back to McSally. I, there's got, I, I think that there are a couple of other theories for what she's doing. I think that one theory is that she, her consultants have convinced her that she is, she should be more concerned about the losing the Trump base than gaining swing voters. And that that's why that she has come out strongly for, this um uh for this nominee is that not that she's given up like jvl says but that she thinks that her path back is for trump to have a comeback in the state and for her to ride the coattails and it's and it's based on a theory of the case that like the mccain voter doesn't matter anymore in arizona um I, I think that's their rationalization. I mean, to me, to those of us, I think that seems, that seems insane, but I think that she thinks that she can win. I don't, that, I don't know where that, for Corey Gardner, I think it's more along with JVL lines. I think he thinks he can run for governor or Senate again sometime and he wants to be a team player, but I, I'm just, I'm, I, I think like Sally's just making a really dumb decision. i don't I actually don't think it's a rational decision. I think she's making a dumb, strategic decision, and she's getting bad advice,
0: so speaking of strategic decisions, what would you guys, if you threw on your political consultant hats, what would you advise the Dems to do about the coming nomination? I I've have got a very, very strong view on this, okay. Well, then you tell me yours. or do uh, you want me to tell you mine, and then you can take my okay, apart go and ahead, blow it up? yeah, please. My view is that the Dems ought to, as a friend of mine put it to me in an email, bend like reeds in the wind, making a demonstration of protesting entirely around the idea of the process and fairness and never once engaging on the merits of the nominee, talk only about how uh, all precedent suggests that these people over there are lying to you and that this choice should have been made by the next president and then just let it happen and then move right yeah. back on to 200,000 dead people.
1: I agree with the reeds part. Like, I don't think that they should go Kavanaugh lengths on this. I don't know that that's a winner, um, but here's what I think that they should do is not just fight it on the process. I mean, the process should be part of the conversation. Obviously it will be, it obviously is, but it's to find. You know, basically, in addition to to getting rid of uh, the ACA, in addition to putting Roe v. Wade in grave threat, finding one or two other absolutely either insane rulings from the judge that gets picked or, or things that could be coming down the docket and turning Donald Trump into Ted Cruz. And this is what I'm, I'm writing about this for the Bulwark later this week, but it's like I, I, Donald Trump had a big base of people that thought he was a moderate last time. Like that might seem crazy to listeners of this, you know, but they agree with him on immigration. So they weren't turned off by his radical immigration rhetoric. They generally agree with him on trade or don't really have an opinion on that. Just they just don't like foreigners. But they thought he was a new york you know he probably paid for a few abortions doesn't really care about this bible thumping stuff that a lot of these republicans like he had a, he had a secular base of of um you know either blue collar former union guys or you know kind of moderate republican types that went with him because they thought he was a business guy and i would make i would hang him with this. like really I thought that I was getting a, a deal maker, and here we are in the middle of this virus, two hundred thousand people dead. They can't pass a COVID relief bill. Like I, I, I have, uh, you know, financial concerns, and meanwhile, he's going to ram through the end of Roe v. Wade and the end of Obamacare. Fuck this guy! Like I, I, that is not a winner for him in in Pennsylvania and Michigan. It just isn't. And I, so I, I would, I would turn him into Ted Cruz. He's uh, Ted Cruz is much easier to run against than Donald Trump. Sarah, what do you think?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I actually think that part of what Tim's saying there is really right. Um, which is, you know, college educated female voters in the suburbs, like they don't like the idea of a repeal of Roe v. Wade. Um, they're not, they're not excited about that. Um, and especially you know, Obamacare took it a while, but like it is now broadly popular. The ACA is broadly popular and they're going to hear the ACA case on like November 7th or something. Like it is like, and so I think that running against not the nominee personally, I think these attacks on Amy Coney Barrett's religion, all that is crazy. Talking about court packing is crazy. Talking about immediately end of the filibuster, like that's not good rhetoric because it reminds people like, oh, we don't necessarily want to give these people power. Um, What they should focus on are things like they could repeal the ACA in the Supreme Court uh, with by having, you know, a uh, uh, this, you know, big lopsided uh conservative Supreme Court. And that gives them the, the the best issue, the absolute best issue for Democrats is healthcare. It just it just is enduringly. And I think that they can it gives them a, an opportunity to run on healthcare and it gives them an opportunity. So one of the big macro political problems, I think, for 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 democrats and why this can potentially help trump is the biggest thing is that a supreme court fight it knocks covid out of the news um and what you want is this to be a referendum on donald trump you want it to be about his poor handling of covid but if you run on healthcare you have the opportunity to turn the conversation back to covid by saying you're going to start stripping people of healthcare right at the same time that all of these people covid will now be a pre-existing condition you know so i th- i just think that's a winner for them that there's a way that they can turn that into a win but in some ways You know, I'm not sure that there's a way around this exactly, um, that you almost have to choose between the election and the court seat uh, if you're Dems. And they should choose the election.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. All right, Sarah, would you like to talk a little bit about your new second best friend, Olivia?
2: So, speaking of COVID, um, you know, one of the things that. uh...
1: Another great transition, by the way. I just have to compliment you on that. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, So uh, my buddy Tim and I here, one of the things we've been doing over at Republican Voters Against Trump is we have been helping to uh, sort of sherpa out some of these uh, former Trump officials who want to tell everybody what they saw. And the most recent person to come out actually has been has one of the most devastating accounts because she was the, the lead staffer on the COVID-19 task force for Mike Pence. So she was detailed from DHS over to the White House, uh, worked directly with Mike Pence, uh, Fauci, Burks, everybody on the task force. And her story, which she released in a testimonial on Thursday, was... We were doing this incredibly important work. We were trying to save lives, and at every turn, the president of the United States undermined our efforts and cost people lives. It's a devastating account, and it's so frightening to the White House that yesterday, after uh, she, she sat down for a for a one on one with Andrea Mitchell, it was aired on the Today Show. It was aired on the nightly news last night. It was aired all day yesterday, and it spooked the White House so much that they sent General Kellogg out, who worked with Olivia closely to say that he had fired her and escorted her from the White House. Now, Tim and I know from talking to Olivia that this is just false, that it is just completely false. And so, uh, Tim, I want to ask you for your political assessment of why the White House decided to make this a much bigger issue for themselves and elevate this by having Kellogg go to the podium during the press conference and beat her up and throw oxygen on this very bad story for them. What's that about?
1: Uh, this is, I think, it's pathological, not strategic. Uh, I just, I think that Trump um, just cannot take it when people are saying mean things about him, uh, and must attack him. It's like it's a first principle for him. It has nothing to do with trying to shape the news cycle ahead of the election or thinking about the last forty-two days plan. I think it's the same reason why he's giving a speech last night and he's like randomly doing racist attacks on not randomly, but because this is his want, but is doing racist attacks on Elon Omar. He just like, he just doesn't like it when people attack him. If they're women or uh, women of color, he really doesn't like it. And he just has, he just can't help himself. And so he, I I think my assessment is instructed Kellogg is Kellogg and Olivia had a good relationship according to Olivia and you can see it. She sent a tweet out last night of her Instagram post after she left, which was like in, in some ways effusive about Kellogg in a way that was, that I was like, really? <laughs> um, uh, um, but you know, so I, it's t- to me clear based on that, that Kellogg felt like he had to do this to please the boss audience of one. Um, and these guys just don't give a shit. And so they will tell these obviously gross lies and smear her and laugh about it behind the scenes because that's just their mo. And and I, I don't I don't think it has nothing to do with the election at all, um, and everything to do with Donald Trump's sense for how he got where he is, and um, and and that's that. And I and I, and I think that it's. I mean, it's really. I know that like, it's like, how can you know, it's hard to get outraged about things these days, but it's like, it's despicable. And it's just despicable what they did. I mean, she was somebody that was in there working her ass off for hours on end to try to, you know, help organize a somewhat, you know, competent response to this virus. And, And actually, I think has, you know, fond, fonder views than many of us do about, Deborah Burks and Mike Pence and like the other people who were involved in this and has said nothing but nice things about them. And and it's like, look, this, you know, the president as everybody can see with their own eyes and as is on the Woodward tapes. It wasn't, you know, it's only, it's only news because everybody else is gaslighting us. Like that's the only reason that it's news is because she's saying the thing that we can all see with our own eyes. Um, and, and yet, you know, they, they just, um, they can't tolerate it, so they have to smear her. They have to lie about her, um, and you know it's it's a really it's it's really maddening. Um, can I just
2: can I just offer though one other yeah, plausible uh, reason why they're doing this and why they're going so hard at her, despite the fact that it makes the story even bigger than it was? I think that you know, if I had to to sort of pinpoint what I think is so unique about this administration and what's going on in the country is how much. Um, the the sort of aura around Trump is to create fear. Now Olivia is the third and most and and the most high profile profile of the three. Even though you know Miles and Elizabeth are a reasonably high profile, uh, person who we have Miles released.
1: has a CNN contract, so you know.
2: Yeah, right. Um, but but so she's the third person that's come out. I think that what they're trying to do is they are trying to signal to other staffers who might come out and tell this story now that they see there's actually this, this sort of more movement towards defection that what they want to do is intimidate them, that this is all meant to say, we are not going to make this easy for you. If you come out, we will lie about you. We will fight back. We'll fight back from the podium. We will do it in the national press and we will say whatever we have to, to try to smear you. So I think they're trying to keep more people from coming out. That's what I think the play is.
1: Can I, that's probably right. Can I, in addition to pathology, sorry, JVL, bring us to a darker
0: place. Great. Yeah. So lying is part of politics and everybody understands that and all politicians and all people caught up in the political process lie and we're okay with that sort of, I mean, we wish it weren't like that, but we understand that it's part of it. So long as the lies are confined to things, which are basically subjective judgments, right? uh my plan for healthcare reform is better than this other guy's healthcare reform this score on this bill says that it will generate 72 trillion dollars worth of revenue over the next 20 years which might be a crazy prediction but it is just a prediction after all you could say that uh senator x is a danger to america because she is secretly in favor of Antifa, right? All of these things are generally subjective, right? I mean, to to one degree or another. Once you get to a point where people are saying lying about factually discrete events, things like I fired her and had her escorted out of the building. Now, that may be something that happens in very extreme cases within politics, but normally it's done by somebody who is a communications professional or is a behind the scenes leaker. And at least they're not attaching their name to it. They're doing it as an unnamed source close to somebody so that, you know, there can be a little bit of uh, a little bit of deniability or a little bit of doubt on it. Uh, Or if, again, it's just a press spokesman, somebody doing it from the podium where we all understand that, well, that is just a spokesman. The idea that you can have a uniformed member of the United States military being trotted out to violate the military code of justice, right? I mean, you cannot, lying is a thing. You could get court-martialed for lying in the military. You're not allowed to do this. To serve el presidente, again, this is just something that happens in
1: in a country where things are falling apart. And he did, by the way, just, yeah, JVL, thank you for taking us to a darker place because you're exactly right. He didn't just say, had her escorted out. He said, I escorted her out. So, and this is to your point, like, he lied. He, he told this absurd lie, lie, easily disproven, about an event where he was, like, this tough guy, strong man general, like, you know, str- you know like, dragging out this... A uh, uh, civil servant she 's not a political appointee by the way she's a she's a civil servant, so there'd have to be myriad and myriad of paperwork and, and that he drug her out of the building and threw her out on her ass and was like you're fired like it 's the apprentice i mean like he he created a whole fantasy scenario to to demonstrate this fake strength
0: and again, this isn't the press spokesman, and it isn't right. somebody close to the situation leaking this version of events on background to the Washington Times or something. It is a guy who is bound by an actual legal code to not tell lies, and he's doing it at the behest of the president of the fucking United States. Like, what? This is. I just don't know how you like denazify this country after this is all done. You know, like what is what does denazification look like with with these people? Because this guy should be stripped of his pension and thrown out of the military for this.
2: Yeah. And I just like to add is like a couple of wrinkle details here that, you know, so she went, she was on a, a one year detail from DHS, which they extended to two years, which, by the way, not something you do for an employee who was not up to the task. Um, she was asked uh, to stay. Uh, and then the other thing you do, if you don't, if you're frog marching somebody out of the White House, you don't give them a token of remembrance in the form of one of these, you know, coins that that the generals give to you know esteemed people uh that's like just not how it works and she's got like photographic evidence of this like that she posted on the day that she like went and got her stuff because she had already you know she'd resigned but then like you know you don't have your badge so you go back and somebody is with you and so she talks to him she, she like says in the instagram post like had a great heart to heart with with kellogg like so they clearly had this like Nice conversation, which she remembers very clearly and well. So like just he is he is the the extent to which people will so a, she's got receipts. B, all the evidence is to the contrary in terms of her performance. and and c, the extent to which people are willing to trade their own credibility in service to this person is just I've never seen anything like it.
1: Uh, and d, she's a human. You know, I mean, like, this is the other thing. Like, this was a really hard thing for her to do. I know that we've, like, stripped everybody's humanity from our politics since everybody in this White House is a fucking sociopath. But, like, her and General Kellogg know each other, like, decently well. I mean, she said that she had a sit-down and had a heart-to-heart with him. And... You know, she she uh, is a person that if you if you have gotten to know her at all is obviously very considered and emotional and is like trying to to make the best judgment. And she makes a tough judgment that, by the way, every asshole in the White House knows is true. It's not like she was revealing some deep secret of the security state. She was revealing the obvious fact that Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about anybody besides himself. Something every single per- person in that White House knows to be true. And so, you know, to drag her through the mud from behind the White House podium in a in a uniform, it's just it's despicable. She's a human. Like this is not this was not an easy thing for for her to do and you know it's it's not like this is a john bolton situation where she's out there trying to sell a book or an anthony scaramucci situation where she just likes being on tv like they know her she's just an she's just a regular person that was trying to do her best
2: nothing to gain zero to gain gain. no no reason to say anything other than the truth
1: and and so you know i I mean i I just it's it's anyway that's 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 it well Alright, that was a great show
0: I'm really <laughs> happy we did that uh, Thank you for bringing us down to the darker place <laughs> We started out with G.I. Joe I Think it's otherwise, I don't know how to lose the answer Alright guys, good show We'll do this again next week Sounds Peace, go Nuggets